Amen. You may be seated. I just wanted to share with you a little bit. I think that that picture's up there somewhere. Uh, the last or the newest building. Uh, this is the newest building at Dreamland uh, Children's Home in Ye, South Sudan. So give the Lord a hand. That's you guys. And uh, Putt Putt Funds coming through right there. That's the, um, that's the newest classroom. When we were there in March, uh, it was just uh, uh, just barely brick foundation. There wasn't anything else but bricks, and they were just starting to build. And uh, that's the that's the next classroom. Uh, they'll be filling that up in no time. So I would encourage you if you uh, are part of the whole coordinators and you're out there uh, seeking sponsors for your whole, we're going to do the putt putt on July 30th. Raise a hundred thousand dollars to send to Pastor Stanley for the children's home, just for Dreamland, just for the children's home there in Ye, South Sudan. I sent an email today with some news. Uh, and I guess I'll share it here too. Uh, coming in the, the end of July and probably in town here the 1st of August-ish, Pastor Stanley will be here. So that's uh, really exciting news. Uh, he's never been to the United States before. There's a conference in Boston, and uh, they have asked him to come and to speak um, in that conference. And so while he's here, uh, we're going to steal him and uh, bring him this direction. So we're not real sure yet of the particulars. We're not sure of the itinerary and all the things that are, that are involved in all of that, but Pastor Bill's working on it now, and he's setting up things and places and times for Pastor Stanley to come. But he's very excited. Pastor Stanley's just, he is thrilled. Uh, he can't wait to come. Uh, we're excited, of course, to have him. Uh, we've met him. We know him. And uh, I, I assure you, you'll, you'll love this guy, but you'll also love his heart because his heart is for those kids in that country and, and to raise up a generation. So uh, be, looking for, be looking forward toward that. Uh, that'll be somewhere around that first week of August. So hopefully those will be the dates, and he'll be here for a little while. You'll get to see him, say hello to him, and, and get to know him just a little bit. So we're looking forward to that. Also, uh, Saturday nights in July, our summer Saturday service will be in July. We'll be doing a third service. We have two on Sundays, 9 and 11, of course. We'll be having another one on Saturday nights at 5. So uh, we'll do it all through the, the month of July, the 2nd, the 9th, the 16th, and 23rd. The 30th is the putt-putt, so we'll stop on the 23rd. But give you four opportunities uh, in July to come on Saturday night. Maybe you want to sleep in on Sunday. Maybe you've got things happening on Sunday. You have to go to the lake. You've got to go do whatever that might be. You've got a picnic. You've got something happening. You've got something going on. Come on Sunday nights. We'll be here. We'll worship at 5 o'clock. Uh, we'll have a great time. What night? Saturday night. Thanks. See, you got it. That's good. Good for you. Keeping me honest. Got it all taken care of. But come, it'll be a great, it'll be a great time. Maybe it'll give you an opportunity to, to sleep in. My brother goes on Saturday nights in Oklahoma, and uh, he goes to Victory in Tulsa, and he goes on Saturday nights, and that's, that's become his thing. He loves it. Uh, he gets to go on Saturday night. He gets to have church. He gets to do everything that everybody does on Sunday, and uh, he gets to go out and eat. 6.30, he's out at the restaurant having dinner and having a good time. Goes on a date, does his thing, and then Sunday morning, he gets to do whatever it is he does. What? A date with his wife, right. He's not picking somebody up at church. <laughs> but, I mean, if you're single, hey, come on, bring them all in, pick you one out, go out to dinner, it'll just be a rotation. For four weeks, you get to try out all the single people in the church and see which one you like. <laughs> it's a little speed dating for you. We'll be in here, we'll be out. You guys can sit over here, then next week here, then next week here. And then fourth one, you just get to sit wherever you want with the one you picked. So who knows, we'll probably have a, might have a lot of... Uh, a lot of weddings in August. You never know. Interesting. 
Uh, you know, as I was praying, uh, you know, about July and about Wednesdays, and, and as we roll through Wednesday, you know, thank, uh, thanks to Lori and, and Dan, they, they, they shared on, on the Wednesdays we were gone, and Corey on Sundays when we weren't here, but uh, I really felt to share just a little bit, uh, uh, because I, I had this, this, this thing rolling on the inside of me. As we roll toward July 30th, I really believe this is going to be a really, really exciting opportunity for, for God, uh, an exciting opportunity for us to be a part of what God's doing. But, but I also look at it sometimes from, from the instance and from my eyes and maybe the perspective that says, man, we're, I'm, just a, I'm just one dude. I'm just, I'm just one guy. How, how can one person make such a big difference? Or how can one small church, you know, I don't say small church, how can one big church in Lafayette make a difference? You know, like bringing $100,000 at one time, not over a year, because we've done that. Over a year, is, that's not an issue. But one time, one moment on July 30th to be able to raise those kind of funds to send, how, how can that happen? Then God began to, to show me bits and pieces in Gideon and David. And, and I'm just going to share over the next couple of Wednesdays some of the things that God's been speaking to me and showing me out of the lives of these people, you know, some in the Old Testament, some in the New Testament. You know, Peter struck out, but then he hit a home run. You know, and I think sometimes you think he had three strikes because he said no three times, but then you just look back and you go to, you go to Acts and you go to, to the second, third chapter of Acts and he really made a big deal. He made a big difference. So if you struck out in your life, don't worry, you can still hit a home run. And, and you know, Gideon, he saw himself as small, but God saw him as a mighty man of valor. And you may see yourself as somebody small, but over the next couple of weeks, maybe you begin to see yourself as a mighty man or a mighty woman. You know, God doesn't have to come down in the form of the angel and sit and talk to you and tell you that. It says so in his word. It says that's who you are and what you are. So tonight I wanted to share just a little bit about David and Goliath. And I've shared these stories, and we've talked about this plenty of times, but it's in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we're going to read through most of, most of that particular chapter as we go from the beginning to the end. But, you know, everybody has a position to play. And it doesn't matter who you are, but it does matter the position. You know, and I think sometimes we want to be the pitcher, but maybe God wants you to be the third baseman. And this Pastor Bill's analogy, and he's used it with me forever, and I'm sure he's talked to many of you about the same thing, but the idea that, you know, there are a lot of people who want to be on the team, and they want to be the pitcher, and if they can't be the pitcher, well, then they're just going to take their ball and go home. You know, there are a lot of kids that, you know, they, they're like that. They, they get to the point where they come to the soccer field, and if they have to play defense, it's like, I don't want to play defense, I want to be offense. And so they stick it out for two weeks, they never get to be offense, and then they quit, and they don't show up anymore. You know, those things, those things happen. People want to be the star of the football team, and they want to be the quarterback. Well, there can only be one quarterback. But if that team's going to be successful, it takes 11 guys on offense and 11 guys on defense doing their job and playing their part and playing their position. And, you know, in the body of Christ, it, it's the same thing. Now, the thing is, many times you may start off being the lineman, then you, you may end up being the defensive lineman, then you're the offensive lineman, and maybe end up in the kicking team. God will move you around from position to position as he needs you. The thing that you can't do is go tell yourself you're this position and you're only going to be this. You know, God called me for this, and this is what I'm going to be, and I'm just going to sit here, and when that time comes, I'll just be ready. Well, what I found in my life is when I've gotten obstinate like that, there was never a time. That time never came. And I continued to get to say, well, I'll be this someday, only to be discouraged because that day seemed to never come. But, you know, with God, as you continue to follow after him, and maybe like David, if you tend the sheep and do the things that he's called you to do, maybe someday there'll be an opportunity for you to be maybe anointed king, as he was, but maybe there'll be an opportunity for Goliath to come and for you to step forth and for you to be in the right position at the right time. But he had to be busy doing the things that he was, he was doing. He couldn't just say, well, you know what, I've been... Because he was anointed. At that point, when this story goes down in 1 Samuel chapter 17, he'd already been anointed. So I already knew those things were happening, but he was still tending sheep. Even though they were great things, and even though he was called to be the king, and even though he knew that was going to happen someday, he still tended sheep. 
There's something about that walk in humility. There's something about that thing that says, even though I'm going to be, today I am. See, even though I might have someday, man, I know, and you know, you know people, you know kids, you may have known believers who they got saved and then all of a sudden God began to speak to them and they begin to see things and they begin to think that, wow, maybe someday I'm going to be, I know what God's called me to be. And then they never do what needs to be done from there to the end. They never tend the sheep. They never take care of those things because their eyes always on the prize. You have to be in position if you're going to see God move. You have to be in position if you're going to see his, his, his anointing flow in your life. And it says here in the beginning, in chapter 17, it says the Philistines had gathered their armies, in verse 1, together to battle. And it says they were all gathered, and they were all coming against the children of Israel. In verse 2 it says, And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they were encamped in the valley. They drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other. There was a valley in between them. So they had one group on this side on the hill, then the valley, and one group on this side. And they're staring each other down, and they're staring each other like this. And they're all acting like they're all tough. And they've all got all their big armor on. And they're all standing there trying to intimidate the others, right? That's what you do. You go into battle with somebody. You don't want to look like the skinny rat. You want to, like, try to pump yourself up the best you can. So both of these armies are at these places. And then it goes on and it says in verse 4, And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath. And he had a bronze helmet on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had a bronze armor on his legs bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and the, spear, and the shield bearer went before him. And then he stood and he cried out against the armies of Israel, and he said to them, Why have you come out to light up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you just the servants of Saul? Choose a man amongst you who will come down and fight with me. Is he able to fight with me and to kill me? Then we'll be your servants if that's the case. But if I prevail against him and I kill him, then you shall be our servants and you shall serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me the man who we may fight together. And if you read this and you look at this, this is the enemy raising its head against the righteous. This is, this is the children of Israel. These are God's people. And the enemy is coming against him. That, that is a story that's in 1 Samuel chapter 17. But that's a story of the world and where we live today. The things that stop you in your life are just the enemy rearing his head. It's the insecurities on the inside that keep you from going forward. It's the enemy roaring, it says. He seeks whom he can devour by roaring. It says he acts as a lion in 1 Peter. It says he's out there acting as a lion, seeking whom he may devour. How does he, he roars and then he looks for fear. He doesn't have any power. He doesn't have any ability. In the world today, you look around and everybody's upset and everybody's scared. I think, you know, as we come into July 4th, as we come into that, you know, I really feel to, to share a little bit on that, on that weekend, as we have Saturday night, that night on the 2nd and the 3rd for Sunday, uh, the State of the Union, you know, where we are as, as a body, where we are as a country, but where does that put and where does that place the body of Christ? We're in a very precarious place. I've been saying it. Pastor Bill's been saying it for years. Pastor Pam's been saying it. I mean, you hear people say it all the time. The body of Christ has got to stand up and make a difference. And so we'll talk a little bit about it at that time, maybe on that weekend. But, but right now where we are in this particular battle, the Philistines are coming against the children of Israel. Well the, well, the enemy's coming against the children of God all over the place. They're telling you what you can and can't do. The, the government wants to tell you when you can and can't pray. The government wants to tell you when, and when, when you can and when you can't kill your baby. I mean, all of, those, all of those things are coming. Now, the body of Christ gets mad. The body of Christ gets angry. But the body of Christ, many instances, acts like the children do here in verse 11. 
It says, when Saul and all the Israel heard those words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. See, the body of Christ many times gets nervous. The body of Christ gets scared. The body of Christ doesn't want to upset anybody. We don't want to, we don't want to cause any waves. We don't, want to make any, we don't want to make any problems for ourselves or maybe for the people who are around us. I'll tell you what, if you don't do what God says to do, if you don't say what God puts in your heart to say, then you'll be creating problems and issues. Because he will give you the opportunity, he will give you the words to speak, and he will open up an opportunity, he'll open up an area, he'll open up a situation, and he'll put you in that place. Just like this, you can see yourself as David, because you've been prepared for such a time as this. Whatever, that time, that, whatever time that is, it, it's, this is it. Wherever it is for you, see, you're called to this. You're called to this day, you're called to this week, you're called to this month. This was just one instance where David came through. As you read through those books, see, you, you see him, you see him make, you make decisions. You see him do things. You see him raise his spear. You see him go to battle. You see him do all those kind of things. He continues to do it. Those moments in time continue to exist. But this is just one of those places and one of those parts. And we live in this particular world today on, on whatever we are, June twenty second, 2011. You are called for such a time as this. What does God have for you to do? today there are reasons there are reasons abound all around you not to and people will remind you of those things and they'll speak to you see this was a bad choice Saul and all of Israel heard those words that the Philistines said and they were dismayed and greatly afraid that's a bad choice never let fear keep you from doing from doing what God said because his protection is in your obedience See, the real true protection for you is in you being obedient to him. And if you don't do what he called you to do, then you're the one who's putting yourself in danger. These people thought they were in danger, but they never stepped forth. You could say, well, well, David, he was in danger because he went before Goliath. He wasn't in danger because he went before Goliath. That's where God had for him to go. That was the safest place for him to be. The place you don't want to be is cowering up there on the hill. See, the place the church doesn't want to be is cowering inside their walls, concerned and scared about what might happen. You've read the end of the book. You know how it goes down. It only does and plays well for us. So don't have any fear, but it's only going to play well for us if we continue to follow his word and we live according to his will then it'll go fine. I won't have to worry about gas prices. Praise God, got enough money to fill the tank. Keep going. Well, what if gas gets to $8 a gallon? Well, then God will have to provide. Huh? That's what he says he does. It doesn't say he'll provide for everything except for $8 a gallon gas. It says he provides everything for his... See, we're his children. It says that if we tithe in Malachi, we bring those into the we bring the tithe into the storehouse. He'll open up the windows of heaven, part of abundance we can't contain. That'll be able to take care of your tank, your octane. You can't contain the octane. It's going to be more than you know. You don't be worried. I don't like paying four dollars and twenty-five cents for a gallon. I was really glad it was three fifty. I stopped today and said, "Hey, tomorrow it could be eight dollars. Let's get it today." I don't I don't like that either, but I don't worry about it. I can't worry about that. That God, God take care of me. Am I doing what God called me to do? Yep. Then he's going to be the one who takes care of it. 
You don't have to fill up all my kid's stuff. He's got mowers and now a boat, and he's got all kinds of things. I don't want his gas bill. But God will take care of him because he gives. You can, you can rest assured God will take care of you because you give. People say, well, you went to the Sudan. That's, no one's not scary in the Sudan. Is the opportunity to be fearful? My goodness, yes. <laughs> Do not go there unless God said. But if God said, then go. See, the safest place for us to be as believers is in the center of God's will. And for David at this time, in this particular moment, that was the safest place for him. And if you read through verse 12 and you go on up into, into verse 20 and somewhere in there, it talks a little bit about David and who he is. But if you look in verse 22, you know, he says, David left his supplies in the hand of the, of the supply keeper because he was coming to meet his brothers. His brothers were on the front line and they were fighting and his dad sent him with some bread for his brothers. And so he took it to them and he was, he was watching the sheep, but he went to go see what was up. And when he got there, he saw that there was a stir and he saw that there was stuff going on. And see, I'm sure on the inside of him, something was, something was stirring. I don't think he went there that day to go be the champion of the Israelites. I don't think he went there that day to be the big wheel. I, I think he'd, he just went there to take the bread like his dad told him. It didn't say he was going there and on the way he saw his dad. It says his dad sent him there. So he wasn't really going there to, to, to make a big deal about who he was. He went there, and it says if you read through there, it kind of gives you the, the connotation. He didn't even really know what was going on. I mean, he didn't even realize the scope, maybe, of what was happening. But it says once he got there, it says in verse 22, he left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, and he ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. See, your freedom is always being challenged. They're being challenged by the, by the, by the, Midian, or the, uh, the Philistines. They're coming against them. They say, if we beat you, you serve us. So they want to take their freedom. So your freedom's always being challenged. Their freedom was being challenged. So here comes David on the scene, and he understands the whole situation, and he quickly starts looking around. And how do you discern all of this very quickly? By the Spirit. That's how you discern your situations. When you walk into the situations and all these things are going on, and you walk in there and you were just coming to bring somebody their, their mail, or just coming to bring your boss the whatever it was, or you're just coming into this particular store to buy a loaf of bread, and all of a sudden all this stuff starts happening, all of a sudden spiritually your little beacon starts going off. David shows up with his bread. He sees all this stuff going down, and I'm sure something on the inside of him starts to stir. And he starts to realize that freedom's being threatened and things are happening. And so he wants to find out what's going on. And so he goes from one scenario to the next. And each time he goes to a place, somebody tells him why he can't do it. See, and that's no different for you in your life too. I'm sure many times you have probably become more than anybody's told you that you could become. You've probably done some things in your life that nobody told you you could do. Hopefully, you have beaten the odds in whatever that situation is that you found yourself. But if you go back here and you go this, it says, you know, he was a young kid. He was the youngest brother, and he was coming to a place. And I'm sure it made everybody nervous, but he wasn't going to back down. And it says, then he talked in verse 23. He talked with them, and there was the champion, the Philistines, and he found out what was going on. He was coming up against the army of the Lord. And he spoke according to the same words. And so David heard all those things. And all the men of Israel, it says, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. They're telling David all this stuff. And so he's saying, well, why is everybody leaving? See, that doesn't make sense to him. I think many times, you know, you hear things on TV, you see things on the news, and you think, that doesn't make any sense. Why isn't something, why isn't somebody doing anything? Maybe God's asking you. 
Maybe God's asking you to do something in that situation. Maybe God's asking you to do something in that place. Why isn't anybody saying the truth? See, they're telling David now all this stuff. They're saying, you know, when Goliath comes, everybody runs away scared. And he's thinking, well, why are all you guys running away scared? You're all battle-tested, hardened warriors. Saul, you're the king. Why is everybody hiding over here? This guy's coming against the army of Israel. He's coming against our God. Who has given us the freedom that we have to stand on this earth and to do what we're doing. Why, why are we scared? See, so for one small kid, all of a sudden it's just crystal clear. Have you been in those places where everybody's talking things and you just look around and you think, Does, how, what is going on? And then God says, say this. And you're like, I have no way. <laughs> look at all the dissenters. It only takes one. See, he didn't have to get a whole army together to go out. He didn't have to get everybody on his page to go out. All he had to do was be on God's side and go out himself. See, it was two armies coming together, but Goliath said, send me one. And much like the roaring lion that we talked about in 1 Peter, that's what Goliath was. Now, he could hurt some people, but David killed him, and what happened? Everybody freaked out and fled. Why? Because there was no power. They got scared. That emboldened all the Israelites at that point. You know, you've been with those, you know, the people who are really happy when things are going well. There's victory, and all of a sudden, I've been with you the whole time, brother. Well, no, you haven't. You've been under the dining room table, crying like a girl. <laughs> but see, he was young, and it says he was young, but he was mighty. He was mighty in God. He, kind of, he, he understood things. And so don't, you know, I talked on, on Sunday and said a little bit about you. Don't let anybody despise your youth. No matter your age, you're still young. If you're 60, you're going to be doing things that 80-year-olds say you can't do because you're too young. Well, tell them you're 60, you can do whatever you want to do. You don't let anybody tell you you're too young. It says, so the men of Israel, in verse 23, they said to him, have you seen this man who comes up? Surely he's come up to defy the, the, the children of Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills this guy, the king will enrich with great riches. He'll give him his daughter and his, he'll give his father's house exemption from taxes. Praise God. Amen. A little hallelujah in the house. <laughs> exemption from taxes. What do I got to do? That's good stuff. But see, David wanted to be a part of it. He saw there was a cause. He saw there was a need. And now all of a sudden, there's a little bit of goods for him on the other side of this too. And he's thinking, well, how come none of the rest of you are doing? Does everybody hear what I'm hearing? And you know what? They probably, they probably weren't because it was his moment. It was his time. And it was his place. We can look at the children of Israel and we can say, you know what, they all screwed up. Well, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I'm just glad David was there at the right moment at the right time and made the right decision. And so where in your life are you, David? See, don't look at yourself and say, well, it's not my time. No, it's always your time. There's always something God has for you. He takes you from glory to glory to glory. He takes you from thing to thing. He takes you from level to level in faith in your life. It may not be this big a deal like you're going to save the nation, you're going to save all the people because you stepped out and said something, but somewhere in your life you're facing these same oppositions. Somewhere in your life the enemy is telling you you can't do it, you can't make it. Somewhere in your life, you're, you're hearing all of these voices and now you're fighting this thing on the inside that's telling you to be afraid. But then the other side of you is saying, don't be afraid. Be valiant, be strong, be tenacious, be bold. And, and on the inside, there's like this stirring and, and you're not, you don't have any peace and you can't figure out what's going on. And this, this could be over 
bringing your tithe into the storehouse. It could be over standing for healing for you or a family member. Who knows what this particular situation is? Who knows what your Goliath is? I I don't know, and it doesn't have to be this situation. But you face this. We all face this scenario. And somewhere in your life, you're, you're David. And God's asking you to step forward. He's asking you to step forward, grab your pebbles, get your slingshot, and walk down there and meet the giant. And as you go through this story and as you read this, he was excited. I mean, David was, he was all right. He was good. It says, to the victor go the spoils. And he said, "Woo!" See, too many people in the body of Christ say, boy, that'd be great. You know, I'm sure those guys were all sitting around going, wow, no taxes. You know, kicking rocks. That'd be pretty cool to have. Get the king's hot daughter. That's pretty cool, man. You know, just waiting for the big guy to come step forth. That's pretty neat, you know. How many believers are doing that? I mean, David could have got there and said, yeah, that'd be really cool too. You know, he joins up kicking rocks with him. Standing by the barrel, keeping warm. Oh, that'd be neat, man. Not David. See, he, he didn't get into that with them. He didn't get into the fact that he said, tell me that again. He said, now hold on, do I, ha- do I have all this right? Because in the next verse he says, you know, that David spoke to the men who stood by him and he said, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistines and takes away the approach from Israel? That's a question, not a statement. Said, tell me again. Because he just did. He says, for... For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is this enemy that comes against you and your house right now? Who is this enemy? Who is this one who comes against my family? Who is this one who comes against my children? Who is this one that comes against my health? Who is this one that comes against my finances? See, do we not say that we are the children of God? That Jesus Christ died and went and rose and sits at the right hand? That's position, right hand of the throne of the Father. A position of power. And he's given all that power and all that authority and all that dominion to us as his children. And he's entrusted it to us on this earth. It's said like in Genesis 1.26, you know, said, now go out, 26, 28, when we talked about it on Sunday. Go out now and be blessed. But he said, subdue it. Subdue it. You have all the dominion and all the authority and all the power. That's what Jesus came back to get. Relationship right again and to be able to give us all the dominion and power and authority. And he's given all that to us. Then who is this, who is this enemy that comes against us? Now you can stand. See, you can begin to speak. David begins to speak very boldly now as he goes down. As these people come against him, he speaks boldly. He just repeats the word. He just repeats the truth. He says, this is an uncircumcised Philistine who is coming against the children of Israel. Who is that that's going to stand against our God? That's not a lie. That's the truth. That's what's happening. That's what's going down. And he speaks with authority and he speaks with power. Are you speaking in your situation, in your household, about your children, about your finances, about your health? Are you speaking with authority? Are you speaking with power? Are you speaking as someone that has dominion? So are you speaking as someone that has all the authority? I think many times we're waiting for Jesus to come down and swing an axe for us. He died on the cross for us. That's all he's going to do. He's given you the axe. You swing it. See, he's given us the word of God. He's given us the sword of the spirit. He's given us the weapons of our warfare. They're not carnal, but mighty to God, the point down the strong ones. He's given us the armor of God. He's given us all that we need. Now, on top of that, he tells us by the spirit what we can do, when we should do, and where we should do it. So you have the opportunity to be right on all the time. And you see that. 
You see that in ministers, you see that in speakers, you see that in people like, you know, Kenneth Copeland and Joyce Meyer and all those people that we look at and that we listen to and that we say, oh man, they're just appropriating the word of God to another level. They're living in faith in another, you just got to keep, keep following step by step, day by day. Keep appropriating the word. There's a lot of victories between you and them, but they're victories. They're victories. Oh, but they're battles. Yeah, but they're victorious battles. I don't mind going into a game. I know I'm going to win. I mean, it's already fixed. So David begins to, now and now his brothers turn on him because David is beginning to get the idea. And he said, and the people answered him in this manner. And they said, so shall it be done. Just what the other people told him. Now it says, Eliab, his oldest brother, when he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger, he was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have not come down here to see, you just come down here to see the battle. You want to see everybody get slaughtered. And David said, what have I done? Is there not a cause? I haven't come to do that. I've just come because there's a cause. I'm here. Is there, look at this guy. What are you doing? See, that would have been the great time for the little brother to look at the big brother Eliab and say, hey, what are you doing? Then you go do it. See, he would have got on David's side real quick then. You go do it. No, it's okay. You can go. I love you, man. See, many people in the body of Christ are ready for the little brother to go. You know, yeah, you, you go do it. That's cool. But if you want to see what God has for you, you have to do it. See, who gets the spoils? Who gets the tax-free life? Who gets the king's hot daughter? The one who kills Goliath. Not the brother of the one who kills Goliath. Now, David didn't go out and do that because of the riches and the spoils and all the things that came with it, but there was sure some things that came with being obedient to the word. There were some things that came with being obedient, going out and killing the one who was coming against the army of Israel. In verse 30, it says, Then he turned from him and toward another and said the same thing. And then the people answered him as the first ones did. Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul. Now, Saul sent for David. And then David said to Saul, he said, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight against the Philistine. I'll go do it, is what he said. He stepped up to the king now. He'd gotten through everybody else telling him he couldn't do it. And he got to the presence of the king and he told the king, I'll go. Send me. See, it's about putting yourself in the right position. It's about putting yourself in the place that God wants you to be. He'll make that place for you, but you have to be the one who steps up to bat. See, he'll put you in the lineup, but then when, the, when it all comes down, you've got to be the one who trots onto the field. There's nothing worse than eight guys going out on the baseball field, the third baseman sitting in the dugout. He's either pouting because he can't be the pitcher, he's scared to death because the other pitcher throws too hard. I mean, they're all those things. That never bothered me. The harder they threw, the more I wanted to hit. Because the harder they threw, the farther the ball went. That didn't, that didn't bother me. Somebody could bring 90-mile man out. That was great stuff. If you got hit, you're not even going to remember anyway. <laughs> right? I mean, you might as well, Rod, stand in there and take one. You know what I mean? I mean, I was all, I was all about it. I swung at the first pitch every time. I didn't want to give that guy a choice. I didn't want him to have a, be one up on me. I'm just going to take that first thing. First thing that comes anywhere within this little box right here, I'm going to hit it. And then I, you got all the people that are sitting on the bench that are like all freaking out, crying, and scared. It was all I could do not to club them. 
we played this team, and they were out in Owasso, and they, it was a big 5A school. And this kid was a, he was a big pitcher, and he threw really hard. And everybody was all scared. It just ticked me off the whole game. I get right up in there, put dirt on my face, and say, come on, let's go. It's me and you. And everybody else is like doing this, like standing back like this. Scared they're going to get hit. Already hanging out. My brother's laying on the ground <laughs> with his bat. He'd just swing three times in a row and then go sit down. <laughs> as far away as he could be, too, you know. Like, Don't be afraid. There's no reason. I mean, that guy could have killed me. I mean, no doubt. He's throwing 90 miles an hour. He hits you in the head. You, you probably, you might not wake up. But the enemy can't do that to you. you if you're, you're in a spiritual battle, I don't see many of you with helmets and cleats, and you're not going to go out there and you're not taking on, you know, you're going out there against a beaten foe. You're going out there against an enemy that doesn't have dominion and power. You're going out there with a person that's like Goliath standing on the hill, coming against the enemy, coming against the army of God. They're the enemy. God has already taken care of the defeat, but he needs somebody to walk it out. That's you and that's me. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Don't worry about being young. Because this is what Saul said to David. You are not able to go against the Philistine because you're just a youth. You're just a little kid. How could I, as the king, send you out there in front of this guy? What am I gonna what am I gonna say to your parents? What's gonna happen? I mean, I'm the one sending out the little kid to get slaughtered by Goliath, and then we're gonna be the servants. What are we gonna do? And I'm sure David said, Well, you can go. No, go ahead. I'll take my chances. Again. Because David was he was very confident. He was very confident. And here's the thing as a believer that you have to understand is you're going to be in the right position at the right time. You better have gone through the battles to get there. Because that's not the time you've got to decide, oh my goodness, you know what? I didn't kill the bear. I didn't kill the lion. I ran. I screamed all the way home. And now I'm going out against Goliath. What did David say? That wasn't the case. He said, I've killed the lion. I've killed the bear. I've taken care of step one. I've taken care of step two. And here comes step three. See, in many of your lives, you've gone through step one. You've gone through step two. You've gone through step three. You don't remember it. You're facing step four, and it seems so ferocious, and it seems so daunting, and you start getting fearful. But do you remember step one? Do you remember how that was? Remember step two? Remember how fearful? You started to get really fearful, but then you realized who you were in Christ, and then you overcame that thing. Then step three, same kind of thing. You got a little nervous. You were upset. But then all of a sudden, you remembered step one and two, and then all of a sudden, your confidence came back. You began to walk in faith. You began to recite the word. You began to step out. And then what happened? That one got taken care of. Then step four. Why do you think that step five won't be any, any different than those? See, why would you have to conquer a lesser foe? There's always a greater foe. But there's always a greater God that's in you than he who is facing you. See, greater is he who's in you than he who's in this world. And you say, well, I don't want to fight him. Well, you're just going to have to just go join another team then. Because <laughs> there's a whole bunch of fighting going on. We're in the army of God. And you face those battles and you face those situations and you face those circumstances and you stand on the word. David was just going through the next phase in his life as he was headed to the next battle. As he was headed to the next triumph. See, you always face something. Something's always coming against you. But David understood and saw that greater was God than the thing that he faced. And as long as he was confident and he followed God, just like the children of Israel all the way through the word, as long as they followed after God, it's when they didn't follow after God and they served other gods that everything came raining down on them. 
We'll look at Gideon here in another week or so, and it, everything was great, but then the Israelites stopped serving God again. If you go back through there, it was always this up and down thing. And then the Israelites stopped serving God, and they stopped worshiping him, and they started worshiping other gods. And then they became oppressed, and then things became horrible, and then everybody ate their crops, and everybody destroyed their cattle. Well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out why. And for us, it doesn't, it, it, we don't have a new way. We have the same way. We actually have a better way because we have Jesus. But it goes on here, and David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came, I took it. I went out after it, I struck it, I delivered the lamb out of its mouth, and it rose against me. I caught it by its beard, and I struck it, and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God. Not just because he stands there, but because he defiles the army of the living God. See, he begins to act quickly now, because his moment is coming. When you know that that time's coming, that's, not time, that's time to be prepared and move forward. That's not time to say, wow, now I better start figuring out what the Word says. Now I better figure out some scriptures. Now I better know, no, this is time to say, okay, God has prepared you for such a time as this. This is the time. Move forward. You're prepared. Too many people in life want to be a full-time student all of their life. Somewhere you've got to get out and work. You can't go to college forever. You can't, you can't just sit in the, in the house and just read and learn and try and you, you'll end up being dull and boring and beaten and battered. There's got to be action with the things that you do. There's got to be a step out. There's got to be a stretch. There's got to be a, a... In our lives, financially, it's always been more, 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 more. And I can't tell you one time where I thought, well, you know what? A little more won't hurt. No, it was always like, holy cow, Again. You know, it's always that idea that says, man, I'm just, just starting to get it going. See, what did I say? We're just starting to get it going. And God says, uh-huh, and now come on, you've got to rely on me. Mm. So you have to rely on God. You have to trust him. You have to put yourself out here. Then all of a sudden, David, David was going to go out there. He says, moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. And then he sent him out in his armor. He dressed him up in all of his stuff. You're going to go out, and you're called for such a time as this, and you're going to go into battle as David did against your Goliath, whatever that is in your life. But you have to do it like you, not like somebody else. Now, the truth that you learn from Joyce, the truth that you learn from Kenneth Copeland, the truth that you learn from Jesse Duplantis, the truth that you learn from Pam, Pam, Pastor Pam, Pastor Bill, the truths that you learn that are in the Word of God, those things will stay with you, and you can trust those truths. But you don't go out there as somebody else. You go out there as you. Because you're uniquely gifted and you're uniquely qualified. And David may have killed the lion and the bear and he's going to kill Philistine, but you may, you may not have killed those people. He's got something else for you. You don't want what he's about to do. You don't want somebody else's battle. You don't want somebody else's armor. You want to go in who God called you to be. Now, the word is true. The word does not fail. The word is true for you. It's true for me, the person next to you on both sides. The word is true, period. But the gifts and the talents and the things that God's called you to, those are unique. And they're unique for you. And if you're here with your spouse, I believe that you're unique in both of you and he called you together for a purpose and that those gifts begin to gel and begin to blend in your life because that becomes you against the enemy. And you lean on each other. You lean on each other's strengths. You lean on each other's gifts. 
He says, as you go on, David, it says, he took off his staff, he took it in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones instead from the brook. And he put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch, which, is, which was on his side that he had. He took his sling and he went off to find Philistine. He took off all the armor and he said, I can't do it. I got to be me. You know, maybe your kids said that somewhere along the way. I, just, I, can't, I can't be like you. I got I to be me. That's true. And then he said, go be the best you you can be. As a parent, don't try to make all five of your children exactly the same. They're five individuals uniquely gifted and talented by God. Allow God to help you instruct them and lead them and guide them so that they can be the five individuals that he's called them to be. You deal with them differently. You can have the same rules, but you deal with each one differently. They all have different temperaments. They all have different personalities. They're all differently gifted. Just as soon as you've got it figured out with one, you find out that it's not the way with the other. I thought I got it all down with Daniel. If you were here on Sunday, I was like, yeah, I'm starting to get it. Then I got this redhead thing. And it just did nothing went that way with her. It's totally different. Man, that was a lot of work getting that first one right. Now you've got to go back and get all that work going again for the second one. But see, David was his own guy. He wasn't like his brothers. He was his own person. And so the Philistine came, and he began to draw near David, it says. And when the man who bore the shield went before him, and then when the Philistine looked and saw David, he was disdained, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you would send to me this little one with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, See, this is where it changed. There, there comes a moment of decision. And David has done everything right, and he's put himself in position. And he's right there standing now in the valley as the Philistines come toward him. He's come toward the Philistine. Now the Philistine is now telling him all these vile things about him and about his God and about who he is and why would you come to me. And see, one last time the enemy's coming. And now he is looking up at who this guy is because he's very big. Goliath's huge, David's little. And now he is looking at this thing. And many times you look at your checkbook or you look at your, the diagnosis the doctor gives you or you look at your family situation, you look at your job situation, you look at those things, and they look real. But see, what did God tell you before you got those things out? What did God tell you back then? Before you came to that point, what was God speaking to you? What was God showing you? Don't get scared at the last moment. Don't allow fear to creep in. Don't get timid when you're about to explode. David had said all the right things and done all the right things and got himself into position for victory. And he had his five stones and he had his sling. But then at the last moment, he's got an opportunity to bail. So he's come this far and he's come to this point and the Philistines telling him all these things. And he, he finally comes to the moment of decision. And when you come to the moment of decision, you can't balk and turn away. You have to continue to go forward. And you go forward in the word and you go forward in the will of God. He's the one who told you that. He's the one who spoke that. He's the one that's making the way. He has brought you this far. He'll take you the rest of the way. Now you are positioned to see it so you have to go through it. Too many people bail at the last moment. They bail in their meditation. They bail in the, in the words that they speak. They bail in their actions. They've stood and stood and stood on the word. They've got to the last point. Something else came and they said, that's the last straw. Have you known somebody who's disappeared off the Christian planet, if you will? It's nothing to go to church anymore. They don't listen. They, they were doing it. They were working on it. They were battling. They were fighting. They'd gone through some things. They'd seen some victories, but they still had a challenge. This big thing was in front of them. But they were believing the word. And then something else happened, and they said, that's the last straw. And off they went. 
See, that's the point of decision. That's the point where you have to decide, okay, I've come this far, I'm going all the way. It's that part where Abraham was standing with Isaac and he had the knife and he brought it up. See, because up until that point, he could bail out. Up until that point, he could put the knife away and he could untie his son and say, you know what, I'll go live in whatever I have to go live with, but at least I have my son. Uh Uh-uh. He'd gone that far, he was going all the way. And he said, if you look in Hebrews in chapter 11, he said he believed and knew that God would either raise him up or he would provide something or he would bring another one. But he was not going to go back on what God spoke to him. In that moment, he took his knife and he was ready to plunge it in his son. See, in that moment when you stand before Goliath and you pull out your stones and you put them in your sling and he starts to speak to you and you start to think, are you going through him or are you going to back up? See, somewhere in your life, that's where, you, that's where you are. Somewhere in your life, you're facing that situation. Somewhere in your life, the enemy has come against you, and it's the last straw. And instead of being like some of those who say, yeah, the last, that's it, I forget it, it's the last straw, I'm out. How about you say, finally, you've gotten to your last straw, and you go forward. Because it says that's what David did. You know, in all the things that I looked at, his boldness and tenacity are the things that stick out to me in this story. If we're going to position ourselves and be in the right spot in these days in which we live, we have to be tenacious and we have to be bold. David was bold and he was tenacious and he stepped right into the place where he needed to be. He wasn't worried about yesterday. He wasn't worried about tomorrow. He was taking care of today. He knew that he was going to be king. That wasn't a question. He knew that he had watched sheep. That wasn't an issue. He knew that. Today, there was somebody that was coming against the armies of God and that he felt like he was the one who was going to go down there and he was going to be the one who made the difference. In your life, there isn't another you. See, in your life where you live today, there's there's not somebody else who's going to do that. God's picked you. See, he's gifted you. He's given you the talent. He's given you the ability. He's brought you this far. See, he's taking you from where you were to where you are today. You go, yeah, but I've made a lot of mistakes and I'm not quite there. That's all right. You'll get there. Don't stop. See, there's not another you. There's not somebody else that can reach that person. There's not somebody else that can stand for that situation. There's not somebody else that can, that can reach out and make a difference there. There's, there's not. See, there's, there's, there's somebody that God has. That's you to do whatever it is that God called you to do. But I'm facing a Goliath. Go right through. Well, I want somebody to come with me. You might have to do it alone. I mean, you can stand. We can pray. We can hold hands and agree. But you're the one that's got to move, not me. There's nothing like coming in on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, getting fired up, getting getting the heels going, getting excited about what God's doing, saying, yeah, yeah, we're with you. We all hold hands together. We agree in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. And you go out the door and Goliath is standing there for you in the parking lot. And you're thinking, where's all my buddies? <laughs> they all got their own Goliath. Sometimes Goliath gets in the car with you to go home. You've got to make sure you push him out. Don't let him in. See, so will you make the right decision in that moment? Because only you can. Only you can for you. Josh, I don't know what God has for you. You got a wife now and a daughter. And they're with you. They stand with you. 
They agree. Two become one. That's the whole idea. You're married. Two become one. But when you face this decision, when you face this place, she can believe and she can pray and she can hold your hand and stand beside you, but you're the one that has to throw the rock and go forward. But you can do it because you faced the lion. People told you you could never do the things you're doing. People said you could never get through school the way you got through school. People said you could never be a teacher. You couldn't pass that test. You did. You did. You did. You did. All the way. You did. You did. You did. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that comes against the God that's on the inside of you? Who is this enemy that would stand up like it says in 1 Peter 5 and say, raise his head, raise his head like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? Who is that that would come against you? You wouldn't let anybody come against her. You'd throw down right now if I came over here. You'd just come over the top of those chairs. Huh? You would. You would. Don't let the enemy take you down some weird path. Don't let him lie to you. You speak the truth. You speak the truth. You know what God called you to. You know what God said. There has to be a door that opens. There has to be a door that opens for you. If you don't turn around and walk away. But you go through. No different for him than it is for any of you. Any of us. Don't let the enemy stop you. Throw the rock. You got five. If you miss with the first one, load up. You got five. You're in the desert. Holy cow, there's got to be a lot of rocks. I mean, you pick five smooth ones. Get a stick, a rock, and start chewing on toenails. Whatever you got to do, man. Chew your way past that guy. Don't let the devil stop you. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.